welcome back to trip talk tech man we got another super dope show for y'all today we're going to be talking heat related sports injury awareness sports parenting and giving back to the communities with our honored guests please help me welcome founder of the jordan mcnair foundation also author of the book can i play can my child play Marty McNair, man, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome. Thank you, Brad. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having hey, me. Man, no problem, no problem, man. At Trip Talk Tech, we love to show love to the ones that are just disruptors in our community and, and also just giving back and, and helping our community for the better. And I, I think when I, I was checking you out, man, you met all of those criteria. One from the, the, the Joy McNair Foundation, obviously. Um, I had the privilege to witness that camp you just did at, at Morgan State, man, just to uh, see the kids, man, just look like they had a blast uh, interacting with the older kids at Morgan State, kind of getting that interaction in um, Baltimore City kids, I'm sure it was a free camp. Um, so they, they didn't have the burden of that, but also I think more than just having fun with the football and learning skills, because I, I saw they did do that. Um, just the message, you know, the message that they can say, hey, look, I am a little hot. I am a little tired. Let me take a, take this one off. Um, I think that message got through at the end um, when I saw the kids, man. So just shout out to you for that. And this is the tireless work. I, I see you. Um, I've been doing some reading on just change, trying to get some laws changed for the kids and getting that awareness out and just collegiate level, high school level, and hopefully get it out to the rec level, man. So salute to you in the book. You Thank know, you. you give the parents something to take home if you can't make yeah, it here, they take the book with you, right? So usually to you, brother, and just thank, thank you. you for that work, man. Yeah, thank you, man. And Keith, by the way, you know what? Um, the interesting thing, man, you know, we have uh legislation, safety legislation, literally, which a lot of people don't know, literally from the AAU level up to the collegiate level. So we definitely have uh something with um that was one of the first laws we got passed. Uh, regarding um, uh, our partnership with Parks and Recreation back in 2019. Um, uh, City Council President Brandon Scott at the time, you know, worked with us on getting that law passed, man. And basically uh, that was for um, uh, student athlete safety that any teams that uh, play at any Parks and Recreation facilities, man, there is a law that protects your student athletes in regards to the type of training coaches, new coaches, especially the type of safety equipment they have in place. So, yeah, man, we pretty much have um, a realistic, I mean, a pretty deep template of legislation, man, to get four laws passed in one in four years, man, is almost unheard of. But it's a really good template to take in other states to really make an impact around this, man, for sure. Now, that, that would be, I, I was going to ask you that off of that. It, obviously, that was for Maryland. We talked Brandon Scott in Baltimore, but... Is is that a vision? And we'll get that into the question, but is, sure. is that kind of the vision? To oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, state of Maryland, man, I mean, they, they've literally been, uh, um, I mean, even due to, an, even though it started as an unfortunate scenario, I'm just glad that, you know, our organization really saw the big picture, man, and we really saw the big picture to really not, not just leave it here, but, you know, the main, this is all about prevention. And man, you we it's been an organic process for us. And the main goal is, you know, I tell I tell uh legislators and I, I tell anybody that'll listen, but especially legislators, last thing we need is another bill in the dead child's name, especially from something that was preventable. So again, let's take these laws and just, you know, hey, let, we, we're telling you what's gonna happen if you're not 
in a preventive, if you're not preventive, preventatively prepared. So the main goal is let's try to get to the stage where it hasn't happened yet. So therefore, if we only give it an opportunity to happen because you put the right laws in place. To protect us. Exactly. Yep. My man, my man. Man, look, let's get right in. And like you said, what you guys are doing, I mean, you're doing some 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 rec- some law breaking and legendary things that are not breaking, but changing mm-hmm. uh, for the future. But the, the Jordan McNabb Foundation itself, you know, can you explain to our audience, you know, like you said, what's your big picture? What's your essence? You know, we, the ones that might not be down with your purpose and, and, and your mission. Yeah, man. So, you know, really, it, it all started, obviously, you know, Jordan had a heat stroke very first day of practice, University of Maryland. He was a sophomore, um, had a heat stroke. Um, um, and we went literally from a healthy kid Tuesday morning. Uh, but but let me back up, because really, the last time I talked to Jordan was uh, May 28th of 2018. Practice started May 29th. And basically, it was the typical, you know, father-son, college, college athlete conversation. I know practice starts tomorrow. I'll talk to you later in the week. You know, love you. And I always used to tell him, you know, and I hope I don't offend any any um any uh listeners, but you know, that fatherly love and it was always like always wear protection. I always I always yes. that was the end of every conversation. I love you. Make sure you wear protection. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, especially where you at, man. Exactly. And um that was the typical that was always it, you know, like that's how I always ended our conversations. And then the following day, we got a call, and it was basically, you know, my conversation uh, when Jordan got injured when we got to the hospital was, hey, son, if you can hear me, squeeze my finger. Hey, son, if you can hear us, blink your eyes. And, man, we literally went from a healthy kid Tuesday morning to an emergency liver transplant Friday morning with him literally being within hours of his life because his liver was 85% necrosis, right? For those who don't know necrosis, his liver was 85% dead. And my head is spinning because it's like, well, wait a minute, what happened from Tuesday morning to Friday morning? You know, this wasn't even a good 72 hours where this type of damage could have happened. And at that point, you know, we really started to educate. You know, it was like a lot of sleepless nights while he was in the hospital fighting for his life, just in regards to heat-related injuries. Um, um, all the all of the functions of the liver and i mean just like how long does a person live with a liver transplant the life expectancy and all that so man literally like you know i'd be up every night when i left the hospital man just researching what was going on with jordan so you know obviously it was so much damage done i didn't know anything about a heat related injury i'm you know i just thought i just knew heat stroke but i didn't know what heat stroke really was how uh uh tragic heat stroke heat stroke could be and uh, or fatal to say the least. And man, basically, you know, I just thought like every other parent or those that don't know, you just out in the sun too long and all you really need is get some shade, you know, and drink some water and, you know, you'll cool down. Yeah, that's ideal for heat exhaustion, but I had no idea that, you know, in layman's terms, um, I read that uh, Jordan was in University of Maryland Hospital, shock trauma, and they had like a, a, a pamphlet on heat stroke. And basically what they said was, the pamphlet read that it, I understood was when your core body temperature goes above 104 degrees, that's really the equivalent of your body being in a microwave oven. Everything starts to cook. And you literally have this time frame of uh, this window really to cool the core body temperature down, whether, you know, by, whether, you know, just from a, a lot of different modalities. But at that time, you know, heat, a cold water tub could have saved his life. And if they had acted quick enough in that 30 minute window, 
Um, unfortunately, it took a lot longer that day uh, because I think that, you know, people, the staff at, at that time probably never really recognized it, may have never experienced it. And, and it always boils down to, you know, were they prepared? And, and at that day, they just really weren't prepared. Uh, Murphy's Law was in full effect. Anything that could have went wrong did go wrong. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that I'm, for, I'm glad that it was me, not Jordan, but I'm glad that it was me to really pick up the advocacy baton and really run with it, you know, from a national perspective. And, and it was just kind of like, man, you know, people tell me all the time, like, oh, you're, you're a great uh, um, um, uh, public speaker and all these types of things. But I'm going to tell you, Keith, man, like I, I was old, everything I did, I did for Jordan. You know, I never wanted Jordan to, to, to experience not my experience, make man bad decisions I made. So I was always, I was always an example for him. Like, son, you got to learn how to publicly speak. I was always at Toastmasters, and when he was small, I used to be dragging him along to competitions. And you know, I would be like, because I was competitive, and I'd be like irate if somebody beat me in a speaking competition. But mm -hmm. I really start really kind of prepping myself more so for him. I never thought I'd use any of this stuff to be honest with you. So, you know, and I was already in the advocacy space. Uh, I was the reentry advocate. So again, like it just kind of like where I thought I was kind of being a good example for him. It seems like him, him and Allah may have been prepping me the whole time. I'd say prepping you for that the whole time, man. And I'm like, wow, you know, like I, I, I used it for him, but at the end <laughs> of the day, I just thought I was teaching him, you know, from a father to son being a good example. I didn't even know you were, didn't even you were know just it, chipping man. So, blocks. Exactly. So ex I didn't even, I walked right into it, man. It, it's just turning to be an unfortunate situation. But you know, it, it just was one of those things, man. Like I, my my toolbox is what we have right now. This is what's guaranteed. Me and you talking right here. This is guaranteed. Right now. Us yeah. Walk out our doors and you know, hey, somebody run a red light, and that's it. So yeah. none of this. So at the end of the day. You know, 19 years that Jordan had, man, I mean, that was guaranteed. I didn't know if I was going to get 20. I mean, I would love to get, you know, Whatever. all yeah. of that out of them. But again, you just don't really know these things in a sense. So uh, with all that being said, man, you know, I kept thinking, Tanya and I, Jordan's mom, while he was in the hospital, like, wait a minute, if we don't know these things, how many other parents in America, student athletes, don't know these things? And, man, this is prior to any type of, um statistics any type of we have no knowledge of how many that this was a common injury that happens all the time at that time totally oblivious to the amount of college student athletes that had died in the ncaa linemen prior to jordan jordan was like 31 the 31st player and i'm not 1000 accurate but he may have been the 31st player from heat exhaustion or a heat related injury since the year 2000 he felt in predictable statistics, like we were predicted to lose two to three kids every year from each stroke. And that's acceptable, right? We, 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 we're looking at that as, okay, that's cool if we use Exactly. This is predictable statistics. Exactly. So, man, like, I had no idea about none of that. So, uh, our goal really was like, man, you know, it, I, I think when Jordan passed, you know, we were at, the day before he passed, it became brain dead and we left the hospital, man. And we got a, a big family. I'm an only child, but Tanya's family, you know, is my family. So, you know, we got a, a big loving village. And those of us who were at the hospital, after we left the hospital that next day, that day before we, they um, disconnected him from life support, 
you know, a, a, a sense of calm had just came over us. And, you know, we went, got something to eat. All of us walked up the street to a restaurant from the hospital, man, and just shared stories of Jordan the whole nine. So, you know, of course, you go through the emotional, dis, I mean, disconnection of losing someone, especially, you know, he was either the favorite grand, I'm sorry, he was either the favorite big cousin, little cousin, because, again, he got a lot of cousins. So he was right there in the mix with, you know, he had a position. So everybody genuinely felt that. And I think from a nationwide perspective, um, you know, everybody felt like this could be our kid. This could yeah, be I'm about to say. Yeah, I mean, anybody's kid, teammate. That's, the, that, that's tough. Big bro, you know what I mean? Like, everybody related to this, you know? And it's unfortunate when young people pass, man. I mean, like, yeah, as a parent, you feel tough. it. Because, you know, most people say, like, you know, I can't even imagine that happening to my child because that's exactly. usually our most precious resource. But so that's how this kind of came about. We kept asking ourselves, like, if we didn't know these things, how many other parents don't know these things? And I tell people all the time, like, you know, you just said the name of my book is Can My Child Play? And then I really, you know, it's unfortunate. My question didn't start until my, the name of the book is Can My Child Play? The questions we should have asked. Right. That's in parentheses. And man, I started asking questions when I walked into the ER. See, I wasn't asking questions when when Jordan uh, uh, was coaching and was sitting at our table three days before signing day. You know, I asked the same questions I've been asking. Can he play? And why isn't he playing? That's it. And that's as parents. Those only two questions we asked. We don't really think to ask that long list of safety questions in the event of questions. You know, what type of certifications? What are you all going to do? What systems do you have in place when you and, and it's not a bad thing a lot of parents just don't know i wanted to say and i think that's that's what, what the, the effort that you're doing i mean again we're trying to do something with sports parenting the same thing where it's like there's so many things you learn going on that division run role or whatever <laughs> role they end up at the next level and like you said until i even ran into to to your organization and your effort I would never think to worry about that stuff. Again, I'm worried about where's your vision for my kid? You know, is he gonna play by the time he's a dream? <laughs> you know? A point, see my point? And and, and that's the thing, and that's that's normal, man, because we just kind of like assume that, you know, that's good. For whatever, for whatever false security that we may have, but I tell people all the time, man, we call we call our educational sessions can my child play educational sessions man or can my child play parent training and then i tell parents you know when you leave out especially the other day at morgan that was a great turnout yeah it was. i told everybody in the room that when you now when you go out look on the field the field gonna look different because see before like me and bro this was the crazy thing jordan was six five 300 plus pounds size 16 shoe he was a lineman's lineman he yeah. it was nowhere that we hadn't gone then combine that we hadn't participated in night they were annoying y'all right and the crazy thing about it you know what was always consistent all I ever did was sit in the stands and look nobody now not saying that they didn't have any safety equipment but nobody ever pointed it out so when i look back at it barely you know nobody never engaged with parents and it's like i feel like this whenever i can get more than three parents in the room it's something to say you know, more than you can get when you can get a crowd of parents in the stands. It's something mm -hmm. to say. It's something some it's a better use of time to educate them on what to look for, what questions to ask. Because man, in the event of, man, I mean, like I say, any of the times that, you know, me and Jordan or parents at, at any type of these clinics or camps like we did the other day, 
man, I mean, the average person don't know what to look for. But once you come through our training, you know, that little hour training, 45 minutes, when I'm finished with you, now you looking like, oh, now you like pink, pink, pink. Oh, yeah, exactly. That one. <laughs> exactly. And that was really, and that's really the main goal of, of what we do. You know, like, let's educate parents. Kids, man, kids is the easy part. Kids came to have fun. Look, yeah, yeah, come yeah. out and have fun this day. The guys at Morgan, I mean, the Morgan State Bears, them guys did an excellent job, man, engaging the kids the whole nine, man. So, but at the end of the day, from a parent's perspective, it's up to parents because even at that age that we did the clinic, man, I tell people all the time, hey, look, when Jordan went down or when he was in the hospital, of course, I'm, a, I'm his father. So, of course, I'm going to say it was my fault. Everything happened is my fault because I should have prepared him better. But, Sean, I mean, keep all that. I, I could only prepare him for what I knew. But you know, bro. Hey, exactly. Bro, when I tell you, I mean, like, I beat myself up, man. Like, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Boy, You're you know, man. You're Bro, I told Jordan, I thought every I told Jordan what I what everything I knew. I I couldn't teach him what I didn't know. And it was like always stand up for himself, always defend himself, you know, uh never be a, a follower, always be a leader, you know, make good decisions, son, observe the room. Like this is, you know, this is where I come from. So, you know, I'm like, this was the total opposite of what I was. So of course I wanted him to be better than me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think the main thing that I think I could have taught them, and that's why, like that age group that we had the other day, is to parents plant that seed of self-advocacy now. Plant that yep. seed of listening to your body now. Yeah. You know, yeah. plant that seed of, you know, advocating not for not only not only self-advocacy, but advocacy for others. Because if they see something and it don't look right that's being done to a teammate, ain't but a matter of time before it can shift your way. Speak up on it. But you got to teach those things while they're young, because by the time Damn, you at the, the next level, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Hey, if you want to get in, you better, you better go 20 more. All right. Exactly. All right. right. You better go right. <laughs> or, you know, you are. Hey, you it's know, funny. That letter strike you look, man. You must be on my paper. You let right to my next question. You know, again, you had that recent uh, camp. And like you said, I, I thought it was a huge success. I, I did see yeah. that. And it's funny you just said. You know, I, I think of myself at these camps and all of these events, you know, you, you're, you're focused on your kid, but then it's all these off periods, right? They, they're going from a drill and you're chilling and nothing. But I did see you perusing the crowd and getting everybody's attention in that moment. And it's like, hey, you know, you, you see the parents bobbing their head and yeah, I didn't think of that. Now they're starting to look around. So I guess based on your foundational goals, uh, of the camp that you had planned, do you feel like it was a, a success uh, Saturday? Do you feel like your message got across? Yeah, man. So let me tell you, you know, that was our third camp in, in four years, right? Since okay. Jordan passed. Uh, the very first year we did the camp, you know, I'm, I, you know, Keith, that's where I was always at, like parent education, parent education, parent education. And the very first clinic, Jordan went to McDonough. So of course we did it at McDonough um June the, the, a year from the a year from the day he passed in 2019. University of Maryland football players came down, coach locks came down, man, and we had kids. It rained that day. So we had the kids in the gym and McDonough, you know, got a, a lot of resources there. So we had all the parents upstairs doing the training, right? So that was where it kind of started, but technically that was just we wanted, that was such a somber day for us that we just wanted to kind of take our minds off of that, man. And, 
you know, our litigation process was extremely, ooh, boy, it was a it was a tough one. But the main goal was like that was the work that we started to do. So really, when you talk about, you know, what are the, the main goals for uh, uh, George McNair Foundation, man, really, like we got the template. We're trying to do some stuff in another couple other states now. Mm-hmm. The goal for us really is to plant a flag and maybe like, you know, five to 10 states within the next five years, you know, safety, safe, safety. I mean, uh, a George McNair flag where we got representation in each in each state. Um, and that's really the main goal, man, like, you know, get some legislation passed. You know, we partnering with some some really big organizations uh, that really kind of believe in what we do and uh, player safety, especially parent education. I mean, that's significant. Um, so really like, man, you know, I try to tell my team, um, long as we do more next year than we did this year, we're making incremental process. You know, we're, we're, we're making huge strides. We did more this year than we did last year. You know, like we were busier this year. I think next year I probably had to bring on probably three, four more, you know, team members because, you know, hey, look, I would love to be in 10 places at one time, but you know, the organization can be, but now, you know, like this is the type of um, uh, uh, spread that we're putting out now. I mean, and I think really next year should be beyond successful. You know, it's usually our peak seasons usually are um, probably April through the end of August or April through, you know, the end of August like it is now. Because, man, since I've seen you, Keith, literally, man, we, we were in Virginia Sunday at Virginia Union, mm-hmm. right? Then yesterday we were out in uh, uh, Falston at Falston High School. So we went. So this is the thing. We went from yeah, bro. So like, man, we went to parent and and young student athlete education Saturday. Then Sunday, I'm in a room at HBCU talking to 105 African American or 105 brothers that play on the football team. So it's it's and then now here I'm in. Harford County uh, at Falston Monday talking to uh, a rural high school out here with over 347 um, student athletes. You know, so again, like the message, the message is the same, but the I'm about to say it, it, it's, it's, it doesn't go different. anywhere. Any kid that plays exactly. sport, it, it doesn't matter. It, it exactly. Where you genre, even basketball or whatever, oh, it's going to come you know, to a point where you're tired, and again, till you either you drunk the Kool Aid early on. And you're just yeah. going to keep going until you black out. And, and, or you're going to, like you said, advocate. And I, um, it, it, it's funny because, again, we, we, we're heavily into kind of like the, the mental health part of the, you know, side of the student athlete and the parent. And, um, you know, as a dad of a, of a, a student athlete, you know, my son, he played Division One basketball, my first son. And I know I pushed him kind of like you said to your point and that suck it up tougher be you got to be the toughest you got to be the tougher narrative and to me that got them through and i think you definitely need that at the next level but you know after what happened to your son and now understanding kind of the things you understand like you said you've done the real research you've gotten statistics about sports heat well heat related sports injury and probably other things along the way you know, what do you tell parents, especially dads out there, that might have shared the same mentality I had and, and bred that into the sun? Because it's almost like we just talked about, like, was I, you know, the Kool-Aid pour? <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, 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 you know what? Hey, Keith, man, you know what? That That's really, I'm glad you said that, you know, because I'm sure I, I was the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Man, Jordan playing 
flag flag football that you know yeah, how to play with. And man, one day, you know, I got him on the side of the house and I'm like, determined you're gonna catch this football, right? Mm-hmm. It's raining and I'm steady now. He out there crying. I call it the Jake Shuttlesworth, right? Yeah, we all try and be Jake Shuttlesworth, right? But you see what happened with Jake. Jake. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. You know, from he got game. So again, we all tried that whole Jesus Shuttlesworth, Jake Shuttlesworth thing. And man, I'm gonna tell you, this is the main thing. Man, Jordan was always the the tallest guy, the biggest guy in the room, man. I mean, like, and and I would always tell him, like, man, we used to play basketball every Sunday, man. And bro, he would, man, I used to punish him, t- trying to toughen him up physically. But every time he got on the court, he's still the 12-year-old because now he's with his peers. You know, when Jordan got it, man, Jordan stopped playing football. I tricked him into playing football, right? Because we thought we was going to play Rob basketball all the way out. Tricked him into playing football. I just tried. One coach just kept pressing us, pressing us. Like, man, he's a lineman. He's a lineman. So, and I'm like, no, he's a basketball player. Now he ain't dunk on you, baby Shaq. Exactly. He made, that's what you call him, baby Shaq. And um, man, I got I, I wound up coach, you know, Coach Bill Rogers was at Gilman at the time. He turned someone to uh Hamilton, Hamilton Tigers, where a big man could be a big man. So Jordan wasn't the biggest guy on the field. But what happened with Jordan, he had basketball feet, so he was quick. Mm-hmm. That went in his favor, and he just caught on to the game. He ain't know nothing really about football. But um, man, let me tell you when Jordan caught it, caught it. We were playing, he always used to play AAU. So that joke was size 16. So if somebody, I think we was playing with uh, Mount Rule with Co- Coach Corb. Coach Corb. Yeah, Coach Corb, right? And um, man, whenever, hey, look, oh, Jordan, we got some free sneakers for you. You know, because you got to, you know, everybody don't wear a 16. So, man, he'll play. So we went up to, um, what's that, Snooky Nook up in uh, Pennsylvania? Oh, yeah. And man, Jordan was playing, by this time, he playing football too. So, man, a guy keep, you know, keep, you know, talking trash to him or playing a team out of Jersey. And, man, kid, he was a little old, just trying to get in his head. And yeah. man, Jordan caught the, caught the kid, caught a fast break. Man, Jordan caught him, I mean, on the break and, like, gave him the, a Detroit Pistons foul, right? Then when the kid stepped up like he ready to fight, Jordan, like, come on. I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But the crazy thing about it, bro, I'm sitting next to the kids' parents in the stands. Crying foul. It was, I mean, it's just like, you know, again, you ain't seen what your son was doing. Everybody saw it. So when I stepped to the side, man, it was just one of them types of things. But I finally was like, bro, I had tears in my eyes. I'm like, finally, he got it. Not when I wanted him to get it. He got it when he wanted to get it, when it clicked in his head. And he was like, yeah, come on with it. And I'm like, way to go, son. You know what I mean? But again, I think as fathers, so what do I tell fathers? Yeah. Just keep them involved, man. Just keep them involved. That's our job. Agreed. Keep them engaged. All of that, don't cry, suck it up, blah, blah. All that's, I mean, that's great. But listen to your son, man, and listen to your kids, man. And guess what? Don't expedite the process. I, I told parents that the other day. Guess what, man? Yeah, at 12 years old, ain't nobody getting those scholarships at 12. So you still don't get a lot of those ranking services are there for money, man. They just they they want your parents to be competing. And you ain't get hey, guess what, man? If you 12, you probably what the fifth or sixth grade? Yeah. You still got six, seven more years to go. You got to expedite that process, man. 
Guess what? The letters, the letters don't even matter until we get to the 11th grade, the sophomore, the junior year. Exactly. So at the end of the day, you know, oh man, my son going to the next level. And, you know, let's see, let's see how, unless he's already six feet plus, yeah, and he's 12, like Jordan was. Yeah, he, at 30, he was six feet when he was 12. So again, he could only go up from there, man. But, you know, I just think as fathers, you know, dads, listen, man, just take it easy. You know, that take is. it easy. You cannot expedite the process, man. Yeah, you know, no matter how hard you yell, how many push-ups you make them do, all you can do is prep them for and prep them and keep them engaged to get to the next level. Because see, man, the biggest fear, you know, as a as a father, you know, when Jordan told me, as much as I love basketball, man, he saw and he told me in eleventh grade, he played JV uh junior year, I mean freshman year and sophomore year, because the coach, he was kind of locked in on his on his basketball players. And, you know, that whole weight shift, that weight adjustment of coming from football, trying to jump right into basketball, you know, that really wasn't flying, especially at the varsity level. But man, he told me, he said, Dad, I, I'm done with basketball. And I'm like, you know, I grabbed my heart. Like, what you mean? Like, man, I already see I'm getting too much. I'm getting, I mean, I can, I can really, you know, excel in football. And I'm like, why don't you play one more year? He was like, nah, I'm done. So, and and man, and I and I as a as a father, listen to this, Dad. If you get too hard on them, man, it, look, they may get to a point where they be like, you know what? I ain't even playing. Oh, no. <laughs> that's the spite, spite dad. That's the spite you. Hey, man, that's you a terrible right. feeling. That's a terrible you telling the truth. You ain't that. You telling the truth. Hey, man. Hey, look, man. That's a terrible feeling. Nobody, want, a father don't want to feel that. Because, man, I'm gonna you snatch your heart out. They'll push back and be like, man, you know what? Later for these sports, man. I'm done. And you like it. So, you know, I think that we got to kind of teeter the line. But the main thing is, I think that as a parent, we should just teach them to advocate for themselves, man. And that's really as a father. My goal for Jordan was this, bro. Whether he went to the NFL or whatever, my, whatever, it was my job to support whatever he wanted to do. You know, if he didn't want to go, cool, as long as you get the degree, son, that's all that matters. We look, we didn't we didn't really won. We got a free education at a private school in high school. You got a free ride in the college. Bro, I mean, that's value right there. That's yeah, almost yeah. a half a mil right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, so look, you starting out with credit, not debt. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. And if we you know I mean? taken this opportunity and made it work in your favor, man, nowadays the average kid, man, you know, if they got some patience, man, you can you can get a master's degree within damn near four and a half years, man. Then bust a move to go to the next level if you play it, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And they got to be patient, like you said. Oh, yeah, man. Stand on, stand on that topic of, of mental health and, oh, yeah. and, yep. and, and, and well, wellness. No, no, you you, you agree. Um, the University of Maryland, I think I was, um, when I was doing the research, they came out and eventually assumed the responsibility, like, hey, they weren't prepared and, you know, start making different steps, you know, to try to correct things in the future. Now, again, like you were saying earlier, you know, as a dad, you know, I'm sure when it first happened, you probably took a lot on, like, man, you know, a, a bunch. But when they came out with that, and then just the coach himself, you know, again, his his mentality, you know, that, that go hard, and everybody kind of knew this coach was about that back then. Um, can you let our audience know how important 
in the process for you forgiveness was you know because I, i'm sure that's if it even is in play I, i'm sure that's a, a a tough one people would think that sometimes we can eat these things and it's just like you know how is it to kind of forgive and move on or use forgiveness uh, yeah hey bro that's a, that might be one of the best questions i've heard this year man um, <laughs> i appreciate um, it well I'm, I'm so like you say everybody knew what type of coaches was except us mm -hmm. okay you know, um, and, and let me correct that. We didn't know until after the fact. Exactly. Again, right, exactly. Coming out. I don't want to make you it know. seem like this guy had a track record. That we... I think the so what happened, you know, again, and let me let me start off by saying this. You know, one of the things I realized early on, just due to my own investment in self-development, me, me being angry, me being mad, me being uh, vibrating at a, at a low, a low vibration. Bro, ain't going to change what's happening. Ain't, none of that's going to bring my man back, right? So what I decided, and that's why, you know, my my grief early on went into uh, the foundation. That's why we were able to do so much because that was my grief process. I was just working, 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 working. That's why when you looked up, it was like, damn, we've accomplished all these great things in regards to, you know, the advocacy aspect. Uh, man, it was hard because early on, it was, I, man, that's the hardest chess game I ever had to play mentally. Or that was the that was the the most emotional maturity that I ever had to uh, uh, present. Because the main thing is, man, you know, you, you as a parent, you want to blame somebody. You're going to blame somebody, but you want to get all the facts. And that's what we don't do. The media, bro, they'll run off our sensationalism. Luckily, I had a really good legal team, man, where... You know, it was basically, we had a really good legal team and it was just like, you know, the best advice they could have gave us early on was no comment, right? Everything was no comment because, you know, really keep in mind, Keith, we didn't speak publicly for the first 63 days. Okay. 63 okay. days later, bro. And so people were probably hitting you up. Crazy. Oh man, nonstop, everybody. And it was just no comment, you know, and, and our story had gained, gone and, so much national attention that we even had to tell family members don't say nothing you know don't share your opinions don't do anything because what the media does man and the interesting thing so many kids die across the nation that you know we lost a kid last week uh on i think august the second uh in mississippi man kids die across the nation but they die in geographical areas that we don't not that we haven't heard of but it's not we ain't watching the news in west texas we aren't watching the news in Arkansas. We're not watching the news in all these different places where these young people are passing from heat-related injuries. So therefore, it makes the local news, but it don't make national news. And what the media does, the media come right in and they'll put that camera right in your face. And when you're emotional, and you're like, you say anything, you know. And then I think at that time they know who you know they know who they who the person is at that point who the opponent or who the op is like okay everybody's looking like okay we can get him this amount of money because we already see him but you know i think the power really came from not saying anything and getting all the facts so man like but early on man i had to watch i had to look at a coach that we entrusted our kid to and man this cat just got this smug face but when you look at integrity and you look at you know, the, the type of upbringings we may have coming out of inner cities and where we grew up at in the age range, you know, or just our experiences, 
give us more different levels of morals and 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 decency and, and integrity, man. And a lot of us, you know, I consider myself to be, you know, the man that I say I am. And no matter what the situation was, I'm out the old, I'm an old school guy. And even if the coach had told me, bro, he, Mr. McMahon, man, you put your kid in my care, man, and we dropped the ball, man. You know what I mean? Now, you know, look, as a man, I could have respected that. So when that wasn't done and for a joker to keep coming around, it's like I really want to choke choke him out because you want to blame somebody gonna be to blame. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And you know, with the forgiveness piece, never really got around to um uh the head coach at all because you know that kind of went to the left. But um it's interesting because the athletic trainer at that time, Wes Robinson, and we literally were together yesterday, man. Uh Wes was doing it, Wes was doing the, the stuff out there on the field uh at Morgan Saturday. But okay. Man, you know, Wes was the head athletic trainer on the field that day. And, man, you know, when you – this is the thing. When you look at – you're going to get different versions of what really happened, right? Now, early on, you got an emotional teammate's version of what happened, an emotional 19, 20-year-old kid of what happened, so it looks different to them, right? And then you may get the – once the investigation comes out, you're getting the redacted version of what happened. And then you got the media and all this. So it was really kind of hard to dissect what somebody was to blame. And then you're listening to what the kids thought they heard or what they heard the athletic trainer say. So fast, I mean, not fast forward, was when Jordan passed, you know, Wes came in the, um, the uh, viewing to view the body. And bro, I'm still, I'm emotional. I grabbed him up and was like, you know, whippy, whippy wham. Like, I, in mm -hmm. other words, uh, I'd be the last person you want to see ever in life. And bro, you know, we from Baltimore. So, you know, yeah. still, everybody loved Jordan. So we still got a lot of them just point them out homeboys. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Whoever had something to do with it out, you know what I mean? So I had, don't worry about it. They, they was there. Exactly. Don't worry about it, but we can't go that, that low road to make a bigger impact. Mm -hmm. And um, man, you know, as, 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 the time went on and the work that we did and the more I got involved and looked at statistically and consistently what always happens in these deaths across the nation, like what's the common denominator? It's lack of an emergency action plan or failure to practice an emergency action plan. So when Wes reached out to Tanya last year, um, man, very, very redemptive. And it was like, who am I to, who am I to, inflict our pain onto somebody else or let somebody else carry the weight or the responsibility of something that can never be undone. Because at the end of the day, how does this affect his family? How does this affect his kids? You know what I mean? So, man, you know, at that time I had um, just probably last year, I, I was had just um, uh, uh, reverted to Islam and man, you know, hey, look, I, I, I don't, I try to, you know, if I'm, if I'm focused, you know, I'm asking a lot of to forgive me five times a day. Who am I not to forgive somebody, bro? You know what I mean? And that's the thing, man. You know, a lot of us can hold on to whatever we hold on to, man. But we asking for forgiveness. So somebody can forgive. We're asking for our, 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 um, our, our, and our faith or whoever we believe in to forgive us for our sins and man, previous, future, because we all human first. Yeah. Who am I not to do so? So, man, you know, we met with this guy and, um, man, then I got a different version of what happened 
minus the emotions and all these different things. And it's like, ah, something, it was a bunch of stuff that wasn't done. But like I said, it, it boiled down to, you know, the emergency action plan wasn't practiced. Did my, did, did, did my man say he said, did he say what I heard that he said? Yeah, but at the end of the day, it wasn't, he like, man, I, I didn't mean, I never meant no malicious intent. I had interns out there, so I had to be aggressive with them so they could see the seriousness of the scenario. So it looked totally different. And man, you know, this was a, nobody would be a willing participant in this, in this, in, um, in the creator's plan. None of us. Yeah. yeah. If that was the case, Keith Jordan would be here and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be on this. You know, man, the forgiveness aspect, you know, and I'm a firm believer forgiveness gives the person that's, that's holding on to it freedom. So that gave me a freedom, man. You know, and after the tears and everything kind of went around, like, bro, it was like, man, I kind of forgave a guy. I was, I, I didn't hold him responsible. But then when we walked out and walked away from the meeting, it was just like, damn, man, like it, it really, I really felt enlightened. Right. Well, I felt like a weight was off of me because I don't have to think about this person from this type of perspective any longer. You know, but again, point, man, right there, man, it keeps you because you don't have to focus your energy exactly. on negative there. Exactly. Because like you said, you've you've been able to release it. It's, yeah, it's, man. Yeah, man. For sure, man. And and, and I don't who am I to who who are we to let somebody else carry that around? And especially when they got a family, they got kids, and man, that's affecting their family, man. Because if it affects you, it affects your family. And the interesting thing, you know how um uh you can um uh you can have those types of friends or those interactions with people and they can tell you everything you want to hear you know whether it's positive or negative most of the time it's negative you know like you know and but i'm gonna tell you man everybody i ran into from the time that this guy sent this message to the time that we were meeting literally was like forward-thinking people good friend childhood buddy of mine I was flying up from Atlanta. I'm walking towards a gate. Who do I see walking towards me? My childhood buddy from second grade. So, of course, you know, I showed him the, the text message and I'm like, what you think? And he was like, man, you know, like everybody that I had met or everybody that I had shared this with, what should I do? Basically had solid information in regards to forgiveness because we were all somewhat spiritually grounded somewhere along the way. Yeah. Boy, man, like you said, and we all change, right? You know. Oh man, we all change. Catch, catch, you, about... catch you 25 years ago. Oh, like man. <laughs> exactly. That's been totally different, right? Exactly. All right, no, and that's just, it's just a good point because again, um, I, I think that that hits, like you said, a lot of us, and, and it's untimely, and nobody's ever going to expect that. So that's yeah. Exactly. So Jordan, man, he was definitely on his way. Like you said, I remember back then he was he was dominant at McDonough. And, you know, everybody was excited to see how this thing was going to turn out, and and I'm sure he put a heck of a lot of work in. You know, to 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 get to that point. You know, for the parents though that that might be in these hotter comments, like you said, um, actually my grandson is in West Texas, right? Um, wow. And. And again, you know, in a lot of these small areas, like you said, in these deaths where these deaths are probably occurring, it's not many resources, right? So, you know, he's in a youth league that I know, you know, a lot of people in the local community are volunteering to sign up and just be coaches and make sure the kids have something to do. But to your point, I go to those fields and it's like grass and goalposts. 
you know, is it any tips or any things we as parents can watch out for, bring to the, those type of environments that, that might help us out with, with this the heat sports related injury? Yeah, man, of course. Um, and, 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 you know, one of the main things that you just said, Keith, always remember urban areas and rural areas. Folks are just somewhat, and, and not as a, as a negative, but just simple people. <laughs> simple people, like, you know, we don't have, and, and when I say simple, you know, due to resources, maybe information and finances, you yep. know what I mean? So, and, and, urban and rural, this is where these things happen all the time. Uh, yeah, so what I, I tell everybody, as a parent, to play the safe game, look, always bring ice, coolers, and towels. Ice, coolers, and towels. Look, all of us got some type of tent that we have, um, uh, whether we go into the cookout or we at the local music festival, we got our tents. Guess what? Invest in the tent, bring a tent to every game, make sure you got a first aid, a first aid tent. So like you say, you know, bring your own first aid tent. And, you know, guess what? I mean, really go to, you know, our, our foundation and see the different modalities. If, you know, I tell a lot of people, cold water tubs are like the the uh, best standard to cool a person down. But what if you don't have no water next to you or you're not near any water? So therefore you're gonna have to rely on ice, towels, you know, bring towels, make sure they're nice. You know, bags of ice, you know, like um, uh, bags of ice in regards to, I tell moms all the time, you know, just take a whole bunch of Ziploc bags the night before, fill them all with ice, you know what I mean? And just make like some ice pack, um, get some spray bottles, you know, spray bottles and put ice water in them the night before and, you know, start misting because a lot of times when it comes to heat related injuries, uh, mm -hmm. heat related injuries aren't bad things. You know, that's just, they're very realistic. You know, it's mm -hmm. a common occurrence. However, when they're mismanaged, that's when they become tragic. Heat exhaustion, look for the signs. I mean, look at the signs and symptoms. Heat exhaustion usually starts with heat cramps, you know, muscle cramps, you know, nausea, you know, some type of uh, vomiting and things like that. And then as it escalates, you know, like you got to look at excessive sweating. You know, some folks, when they get hot, I mean, the body's not regulating anymore. So it's, they're not sweating at all. You know, mm -hmm. and every kid that's having a heat streak may not, a heat stroke may not fall out, but look at the signs. And the signs basically could be uh, mental um, uh, mental disorientation. You know, if they just saying some things that ain't normal. And, you know, these are things that you got to look for. You know, they may have stopped sweating. Um, I mean, they're just, you know, not acting their normal selves in a sense. Then that's when you're in the danger zone. And it's really a matter of, you know, calling 911. Um, getting that body cooled down. But the main thing is we want to catch it before it even gets to stroke. You know, we want to get those, like I say, ice water, towels, um, uh, bags of ice. Man, look, I've run so many, I do so many videos, man. I was on this ice thing at the beginning of the summer, man, where, look, man, I, I bought a 16 bag, a 16 pound bag of ice from the local Quick Mart. I mean, literally for like six or $7. Grab a couple of those when you stop to get, you know, um, get them that Gatorade or that water and route to practice. Man, grab that ice. And everybody keep a cooler with them and keep them towels with them, man. And them spray bottles with that cold water because the main thing is we want to catch it before or catch heat exhaustion before it even gets the heat stroke. And then and you said 104 is that magic temperature. Magic right? four, man, 104 is that is when you're in the danger zone. But like gotcha. I said, keep you got to manage to cool a person down. Uh, but the main goal is you want to catch it. And 
man, really like, you know, even in regards to equipment, um, you know, we we have, we came up with our own uh, inflatable cold water tub uh, that you could take with you. But the main thing is, what if you are on the field and you ain't got no access to water? You want to bring all of the next best things, you know, and really like you want to take them towels and you want to cover that body from head to toe, you know, and just keep ringing them, keep dipping them, ringing them, keep dipping them. And that'll start the cool down process. And man, you know, make sure, you know, it's always about water, ice and towels, you know, and that'll be not, it, it should save a life, you know. Um, and, and, and to your point, um, maybe some of the coaches listening or the parents, you know how everybody does the team mom and then, sure. you know, you're yep. bringing oranges, you're bringing yep. some juices, somebody plan to bring some ice in the cooler. Yeah, bring that and ice and cool in the towels. And the towels, like, yep. I mean, add that to your parent list, that, that might save save a kid life or somebody else team. So yeah, that's definitely great suggestions, man. That's that's cool. Hey, look, we're gonna put that on the on the list down in Texas. <laughs> yeah, man, please, please, please. That would be the worst well. thing that can happen with ice. Worst thing ice or melt. Best thing to do is save a life. There you go, man. Y'all heard it first. And hey, Mr. Marty, look, for the parents out there that might be dealing with child loss or my recently or even in the past you know we from baltimore you know that happens that's probably too many parents reality where, where we from um you know what advice would you give parents to help them navigate their healing along this journey because I, I know this is a journey i don't think it's one day you wake up and it's over but you know what, what can you offer what kind of advice can you offer those parents oh man i um um another great question um think that, you know, it, there's no process to grief. Uh, I know what helped me was, you know, I, I made an attempt to invest in um, grief therapy or grief counseling. You know, that's just, we can't work it out by ourselves, bottom line. You know, and in our communities, we think women a little bit more than men. You know, women will get help, but, you know, especially in you yeah, know, men, man. our urban communities, you know, we, we just think that, you know, we can figure it out on our own. And um, I think for me, really what gave me closure is when I wrote the book. So I would suggest, you know, journal, you know, journal and just write, write, write. Because even though it's a tragic situation and that's a piece of your heart, you know, I think that, you know, really like when it, it hit me up when I was writing Kid My Child Play, it just kind of like the closure came. I was I used to do a warm up right in the morning while I was writing and I would just be scribbling about any old thing. And then it just something clicked and it was like. You know, wait a minute. You know what? Let me look at from the time he was Jordan was born in the 19 years, man. And it was like, you know, man, I just was so much so grateful for what I had as opposed to what I didn't have. And I was grateful that, you know, they say kids are gifts. And man, sometimes, you know, Allah wants his gifts back before we ready to give them back. Just make sure you did the right thing with your gift, you know, where you don't have any regrets with it if it is ever that time. And I think, man, those are things that you know, I think will help um, therapy and man, you know, write it down. I mean, it's no process that, you know, you should get through, but I think the journaling is significant. And that way, you know, because again, what that does, that just plays everything through your mind in regards to your interactions with your child and their experience and how you felt and all these different things. And that's just what really worked for me. And man, let me tell you, you know, I, it's a challenging situation to see, I know a family, well, I know a father I've been trying to reach out to. His son died six years ago from a heat stroke, and man, this cat don't answer the phone. He's still blaming himself, you know? So those are really the things that, you know, that's where you don't want it to take you. 
But I think that, like I said, I'm, I'm a firm advocate for, you know, taking care of your mental health. Wow, man, we appreciate the gems, man. What's next for the, the George McNair Foundation? I know oh, you man. You got some uh, law changing going on. What's yeah, up? Uh, in Maryland, man, I mean, you know, we, we've done everything. I mean, not everything, but, you know, the main thing is really just like just trying to work in a couple other states, man, and expand the reach next year. That's really our main objective, man, to really just try to like, you know, hey, man, see where we're needed at, see where we can make an impact at. And, you know, obviously that Baltimore City thing, man, you know, really, I was excited. I was super excited about that, especially when I initially met Coach Wilson, because now here's an opportunity to show Baltimore City kids literally what's in your city, you know, what's in your community. You know, everybody ain't going to go D1, you know, but a lot of we, HBCUs, we can go to HBCUs. So, you know, our goal is really to increase our, um, our uh, impact in the HBCUs as well, you know, across the nation as well, man. And, you know, do more clinics and more education, man. And really, you know, that's really what this train is all about, keeping kids safe. Oh, man. And our most important question of all this whole interview, we asked all our guests this, favorite pair of tennis shoes of all time. Oh man. Oh boy, I got a big closet, man. I got a big I know closet. you do. You from B more. So I, yeah, I got a question. I got a big closet, man. Um Jordan threes, black C Definitely classic. What's your yeah. favorite colorway out the threes? Black. I got I got probably about three, four colors. The, the, the C I like the classics. I deceive it, blacks. All right, I'm with you on that. All right, my God, man. Hey, man, shout yourself out, man. Tell, uh, tell yeah. us how they can get get in contact with you. Yeah, please, uh, man. Follow us on um, the Jordan McNair Foundation on IG, man. That's where you can catch me at most days. Um, um, please, but you know what we really need to do? We need to get more YouTube follows because all of our videos I upload on YouTube at the uh, Jordan McNair Foundation channel on um, uh, YouTube, Facebook, you know, uh, Twitter, JMF Foundation. So we post a lot on there. But Instagram is where I'm constantly running reels and shorts and all that type of stuff. So, uh, and then, you know, really you can always get to us at the Jordan McNair Foundation.org. Uh, that's our website. And man, you can always get in contact with me via there, but DM me on uh, IG, you know, that's where we really making an impact. I think Facebook is getting kind of old for us. <laughs> I just get better response on, on Instagram. Um, I think they cut my TikTok page. I don't know if they did, but IG is solid. And look at some of the stuff, but I mean, really our foundation page literally has everything that we're doing and it's updated. I mean, almost weekly in regards to all new events that we have. Cool, man. We'll, we'll also link it up. We'll probably have all of that stuff at the top of your head. Yep. We, you know, we, we redo it. So. Yep. And I appreciate your time today, Mr. McNair. Again, I appreciate the invite on Saturday. It was pretty dope to see. You. And man, just again, thank you for what you're doing in the community. And I wish you nothing but the much most success with the, the Joy McNair Foundation, man. My man, thank you, Keith. Hey, look, man, continue success to you. And thank you for this platform, man. It's definitely needed. Much appreciated. I appreciate it, man. Strip Talk Tech, y'all. My man. All right.